Here we go. It's exciting. I'm not in the squeaky chair. I think I am. Am I in the squeaky chair? I don't know. After the last podcast I did for the other podcast I'm on, my editor was like, were you in the squeaky chair? I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Oh, wait, who's your editor? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> I'm not giving away my editor. How do you get an editor and we don't have an editor? We do have an editor, you. Oh, okay. You're the editor. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be the editor or whatever the hell I am. Um, I'm just going to try and sit a little bit closer because I feel like the, the voice has been a little bit low. So we're Who's gonna... low? You're low? Uh, I have been low. You are also lower. You also have a tendency to like just trail off into nothing. It's hard to understand what you're saying. And then you come back to speaking very loudly. And sometimes that piece that we miss is like the most interesting piece of the conversation. I maybe just don't have the gain turned up enough, dude. I tried to. I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not an audio engineer. I'm a computer engineer. I work with computers. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm working through it. But let's jump into this. It's been like a full minute before we even set our intro. Um, welcome to South Beta Podcast, episode number six, with a patented knee, sl- knee slap. Uh, this is one man's journey to untangle the knot that is the climbing world with his co-host, who occasionally knows the answers to his climbing-related questions. Don't worry, I'm a week away from putting together a jingle for the beginning of this. And who is going to sing this jingle? No, it's going to be like a thing that I'm going to make on the computer. It's going to sound like a, like a, it may be the beginning of Cliffhanger. Is this going to be 8-bit? <laughs> could be worse. Could be like 2-bit. 2-bit, okay. <laughs> could be could be pretty terrible. So, let's jump right in. I uh, have not really done my job in terms of preparing like an online thing for you to read on your phone, so you don't need to read anything on your phone. Okay. This is just going to be flow and go. Prep time for me greatly reduced. I'm in. Yes, no prep time for you. I did a bunch of homework. I got a bunch of things to talk to you about. I'm really excited. I hope you are too. I don't know. Ask me some questions. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Well, let's start with what this this one's about. This one, episode number six, I'm titling Bouldering. Okay. That's it. It's just bouldering. We're going to talk about bouldering. Just bouldering. Um, no, bouldering in your life because your life is interesting. Okay. Uh, but let's start with bouldering and then we can get to your life later. Are we going to talk about John Gill? Yes, we are actually. Okay. It's good. in my notes. I learned most of my crap from, from Wikipedia. <laughs> Okay. But it's there. Okay. So uh, so do you want to take a shot at like going off the Wikipedia definition of bouldering, and then I'll read you what they said? Oh, uh, they don't just say pebble wrestling? Nope, nope. It's far more detailed than that. Okay. You want me to guess what Wikipedia calls, like, defines bouldering? Or what bouldering is defined as. Do you want my definition of bouldering or my guess of what Wikipedia says? Let's go with yours and then we'll see how close it is to Wikipedia. Uh, bouldering is sort of free climbing without rope uh, for protection. And uh, in general, uh, bouldering would confine you to heights from which you are... Unlikely to seriously injure yourself uh, as long as proper precautions are taken. So I would give you, like, if we were rating, like, this definition versus your definition, I think your definition is slightly better, but if it was, like, closeness to this definition, you, you got, like, a like a 9.5 out of 10. That was pretty damn good. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, the definition, according to Wikipedia, and I wrote it down so I could read it out, uh, bouldering is a form of rock climbing that is performed without the use of ropes or harness. Unlike free soloing, problems are usually less than 6 meters or 20 feet tall. Okay, fair enough. That's kind of what I was going for. You did great. Yeah, it was perfect. That's like 9.5. I'm, you know, very hard to give out a 10. I don't normally give out 10s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm waving my hand and you can't, like, nobody can hear this, but it's, <laughs> it's really I, it's, it's making me pause. I'm not contributing because your hand is up in the air stopping me. But nonetheless, you're not speaking. Yes, thanks for filling the gap there. So so it came around as a way to train for rope climbs. I was going to ask you whether or not you thought it came around first, like which came first, the chicken or the egg. But apparently, like the the idea for bouldering as training methodology dates back to like kind of the original time of climbing. Now, here's the question. Do you know or do you have an idea when climbing originated? 
when climbing originated? Yes. Uh, as a sport? I don't know. I mean, like, it's really hard to say because a lot of the original, like, you know, it's essentially a version of mountaineering as mountaineers tried to climb harder and harder uh, peaks and came across, you know, sections of rock that they had to climb in a uh, more gymnastic manner and thus wanted to sort of protect themselves with ropes. Uh, my understanding is that, you know, you had people doing stuff that was like legitimate rock climbing, like class five rock climbing to ascend peaks in the Sierra, you know, before the 1920s. So I presume that like, you know, it's, it's hard to say what you, what do you define as rock climbing? I feel like you're really dodging the question here or trying to talk your way out of giving me a guess. No, 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 no. You I, can be wrong. You don't have to be right about everything. I'm not going to be right. Cause I, the thing is like, I, what I'm saying is that you have to sort of def, like, what is rock climbing in like, where does rock climbing start? Right. Because people have been climbing rock faces for thousands of years. So if you're talking about no, where talking did about the sport that. of rock climbing in terms of like climbing a face surely for difficulty come from? Yeah. My guess or is for it like started, conquest. Huh? Conquest of a mountain. Well, conquest of a mountain is a different deal, right? No, like no, if rock, you're okay, trying to with, overcome an obstacle. Stop talking. Okay, let's back up a second. I, I feel like this is going to take us down a bad, bad direction. Let's just stay with where we were originally. Yes. Climbing a mountain for difficulty. Climbing a rock face for difficulty? Yes. Or a mountain? All right, so like there's a difference. Ropes climbing. Well, there's a difference between <laughs> climbing up something that's technically difficult that you are only doing because you're trying to achieve this goal versus the sport of rock climbing, which is essentially like trying to ascend a face and find ever more difficult faces to ascend, whether it be by crack or by, you know, actual face climbing. Um, so. You know, I think uh, rock climbing for difficulty, I'm guessing, is like the 1920s and 30s in France. So not too far off. Again, you, you're getting close today. You're doing well. Uh, but it was the, Oh, according- are you suggesting that I have, you know, know a little history and done a little research? Well, you're off by at least 20 I- years because they said the 1800s on Wikipedia. Well. I mean, Wikipedia could be wrong. But I'm considering them the source of truth in this matter, and, <laughs> okay. therefore, and therefore you are wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. So I am not always right. I, I'm glad to hear you admit that. I feel like admitting it is a, you know the first step. First step in what? Recovery. From what? Thinking you're always right. I've never thought I was always right. I don't know. I feel like you're right a lot. Okay, moving on. There's a difference between right there. <laughs> okay, moving on. The uh, bouldering problems are quantifiably uh, graded in what scale? What? Yeah, what is the scale used to to rate a, a uh, bouldering problem? I didn't know this was a quiz show. This, well, it's fun because I'm well, trying how to... would you like... To, I mean, like, I can call it the V scale. That's what it's called. Sure. Okay. You did great. It's called the V scale. But I would... But t- well, what there's about... another one, though. Do you know the other one? The font grades? Yes, but it's actually Fontainebleau. Yeah. I know, it's short. It's shortened yeah. into font. Okay, but font is like a thing that you put on a web page with a typeface, like this is a this is a font in bleu. I know what it is. I just like saying French words a lot. Do you know what kind of boulders are in the forest of Fontainebleau? I have no idea. Ah. But can you tell me? This is great. We are learning things here. Let's go. Sandstone. Sandstone. Okay. In fact, uh so uh Castle Rock, which is up on the hill near here. Where is here again? Here is the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay, Castle so Rock. Castle Rock State Park, which is uh, is known for its rock climbing. Off of thirty five, out past Saratoga, go up nine, make a left on on thirty five. Correct. Castle uh, Rock's on your right. Indian whatever is on your left. Yeah. Um, and that is actually also sandstone. And Fontainebleau looks a little similar. The rock quality is presumably way, way better, though. Have you been? To Font? No. How long until you go? I don't know. Okay. I have a feeling if I go to France, I will not be going to climb at Font. Really? Where would you go to climb? Uh, You know, the Verdun or uh, Seuss. Okay. 
some some limestone sport, please. So or I will climb peaks in the French Alps. Now that sounds fun. Exactly. So uh, I'm just going to – we can talk more about rating and scale, and I'd, I'd actually really like to delve into that in a little bit. But this is still like the basic summary of what bouldering is. So, uh, so I wanted to throw out a couple of things that I also learned. Apparently, according to the great, wonderful Wikipedia, there are some environmental concerns from bouldering. And they include – do you want to guess? You look like you're about to guess. Well, I mean, <laughs> the environmental concerns from bouldering? Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly familiar, uh, you know, loss of vegetation due Boom. to both social trails and placement of pads underneath boulder problems. So, like, Trampled you know, vegetation is on the list. Trampled vegetation. Um, well, then I, I... There's only one other thing on the, on the list. Trampled vegetation. It's in the same category. It's the same thing. Soil erosion. Is it soil erosion due to tra- like social trails? I'm assuming it says well, that- it could be social trails, and then also like I mean, when you trample ve- vegetation, you then you know are killing the thing that's holding the soil together, and then all of a sudden the soil can go fall away from the boulder. Okay, so so, so- I, I have seen all of this. It is it is very, you can see you can. I can note the impact from year to year at Bishop, which is our sort of like Mm -hmm. California Bay Area local worldwide climbing destination. Wow, it's one of them. It's the winter one. Yep. Yosemite is also a worldwide climbing destination. I would say that the, so we'll talk about this in a second, but I would say that the uh, bouldering is far better known at Bishop than it is at Yosemite in my mind. Bouldering, yes, but Yosemite in and of itself. Has has much, much more stuff than just bouldering. Yes. I think that's one of the reasons that bouldering in Yosemite gets a little bit overlooked. Because it has everything. It's also fairly hard. I haven't tried it. There's that one rock that's there, like right on your way to Curry Village. I'm, I'm not calling it whatever its new name is. On your way to Curry Village, on the right, there's like this giant rock that you pull out. And I've like hung on that for about half a second, and that's about all I've done. Okay. That might be like the LeConte boulders. It's like, no, it's like the giant rock by a bus stop that's famous that everybody hangs on. Yeah, that might be the LeConte boulders. Okay. So that leads me to the next part. You're doing great. You're just like leading us all the way through all this fantastic stuff right right here. This is this is great. You, you're wasting my segues by pointing them out. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm impressed that you know my script without having looked at my notebook. Well, you are asking me about the sport that I've dedicated probably the last 12 years of my life to. Climbing or bouldering? It's the same. Same season? Okay. What? I mean, it's like one part of another. So, with this, let's I mean, talk... I it's, it's like, mean, it's like talking about clapping and cheerleading, you know? It's just like... They're not the same thing. Get, get the heck out. Let's leave the cheerleading podcast for the cheerleading podcast. <laughs> Moving on, there's a, there's a couple of famous bouldering areas that are listed. And I, like... I think, yeah, these are mostly North America. Okay, North American America, famous, famous bouldering areas. Yeah, what do you got? What do you, what can you name? Well, I mean, there's Bishop, Waco, uh, and then, you know, the other, I think the other sort of main, well, there's Rocky Mountain National Park, which I think is probably deserves mention nowadays, uh, and then you can go, uh, Red Rocks is, is well known for bouldering. And then the uh, the southeast of the United States, the sandstone in the southeast around Chattanooga, Horsepens Forty, Rocktown. So, so you did good. You mentioned all except for one of the areas on there, but I, I think this is really funny because you talked about Colorado, but there's a famous mountain in Colorado, Mount Evans, that apparently is like on the list of Wikipedia. Oh. And I thought that's particularly that's per- like kind of, it's in the right it's in the same vein as Rocky Mountain National Park. I just say it's particularly relevant because your name is Evan. Oh, okay. Mount Evans, Evan. Did you you didn't get it? Yeah, I got it. Now all of our listeners have it too. Okay. You see how I did that? I do see how you did it. Um, and then the other one that you didn't put on there, which they listed, was Squamish. Ah, fair enough. They said Squamish is is pretty pretty big. Yeah, that's a big summer destination. Yeah, yeah. It's it. A lot of the areas I mentioned are once it hits summer, it's too hot. 
Yeah, so people go up to Squamish? Yeah, Squamish, you know, being near Vancouver is, uh, you know, it stays pretty cool. So, like, and it's mostly in the shade, too, so you can, like, boulder a lot in the shade in the summer. Cool. So the the places that they officially list are uh, Waco Tanks, Texas, uh, Mount Evans, Colorado, the Buttermilks and Bishop, and Squamish. They just list four? Those are the four that they listed. You should update the page. You can anybody. That's the beauty about Wikipedia. You can update it. I have never updated a Wikipedia page. But maybe you should. No, I will not. Okay. Maybe one of our listeners who might be a Wikipedia editor could go in and edit it. Okay. So, while it was discovered around the 1800s and, like, used for training... Are we talking rock climbing or bouldering? That bouldering actually was, like, started around the same time. Like, it was used as a training method. But real bouldering, like bouldering, bouldering, do you know know when that, you know, because you mentioned this guy already in our conversation. I think before we got on the air. Oh, John Gill. John Gill. John Gill in the 1960s apparently pushed forward um, the sport of bouldering. He's an American mathematician, too. Yes. Yeah. So it's, like, very scientific, right up your alley. Yeah, he's, he's pretty interesting. I've read some of his writing and been to his web webpage. Okay, what do you, what's interesting? On his webpage? Like the, one of the things that he had on his webpage was like feats of random strength throughout the ages that like were kind <laughs> of like uh, listed there. And like some of them are like vague reports and some of them are like, ah, oh, like this person could do, like did so many one-arm pull-ups in a row and this person reportedly was so strong with his grip strength that he could reach up and pinch two by fours and just like walk himself down the uh the beams of a roof by just like dangling from pinching two by fours and then he would swing and pinch farther down and like you know like he was doing monkey bars but just with pure pinch strength (laughs) that sounds like john (laughs) denner maybe maybe but uh yeah john gill was like super interested in keeping a lot of those stats like you know, one arm pull ups in a row and mm-hmm. front lever action, like all this sort of like climbing related, gymnastic related stuff. Which is interesting because there he actually created in the nineteen sixties, I believe, a scale for measuring boulders. Do you know what his scale was? The B scale. The B scale. Do you know how it was scaled? Yes, I do. You wanna share for our listeners? Well, the B scale was sort of like a, it was like a zero one two. It was, B, it was one two and three. But oh, close. it was one two three. So it was B one, B two, B three. B one was like someone you know. It's a bowler problem that multiple people have done. <laughs> B two was or B one was a bowler problem that only a few people have done, and then B two was like a problem that no one has repeated. B three. B three is oh, well, I went one two. Once. I went zero one two again. But but B one is hard, the way it was defined was like hard as a roped problem. B two harder than any roped problem, and B three things that have only been completed once. Yeah. Anyways, that's pretty awesome. That you know, nineteen sixties isn't that far in the past. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, he used to do a lot of stuff in uh, South Dakota in the Black Hills and the the Needles area. Really? He bouldered out some stuff that was on the bold side. On the bold side? Yeah, like 30-foot high pinnacle, like spires and stuff like that. But at that. what point or is that? Like do- v- V6 in the current grade. So at what point do And he we- was doing it in hiking boots. <laughs> at what point do we talk about that being more like free soloing? I don't know. Okay. I mean, if you, you want to talk about where the borderline is, we can talk about it. It's, it's, it's a fairly gray area. Well, so here's the thing that I was thinking about when I was looking at the definition is, I be, or this is what I was thinking about. The walls in the different planet grants have different heights. I think the wall in Sunnyvale, which is where I do most of my climbing, is I think like 12 or 13 feet tall maybe. I feel like the wall, there are walls in San Francisco that may be a little bit higher than that. I have no idea what the walls are um, in Belmont. But I feel like in Portland, the walls are really tall. I feel like in Portland, the walls are 22 feet tall. Am I? Is that just in my head? You think the bouldering walls in yeah, Portland the bouldering are 22 wall. feet tall? I'm a little afraid of them, yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm just 
I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the bouldering walls. I mean, in the end, most most people when they build gyms, like there's kind of a limit to how high they make the walls, just because it's like gets it, you know. It, the higher you are when you fall, the more risk is involved in terms of injuries. So yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like no, I I think I, gyms in general don't want to take on that much risk. You know. It's so, like, so do you know the height of the walls in Portland? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Okay. I'm guaranteed they're not 22 feet tall, though. Okay. So, where would, personally, for you, where where do you drop bouldering and start considering it free solo? Mm, I don't know. Okay, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Think about it, and maybe next week, but we'll, we'll come back to that. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the borderline is. Like, I have climbed high scary boulders and I have uh, also done some free soloing as well and it's really hard for me to say like you know when something is bouldering when something is free soloing I guess the I guess the way if I had to think about it the way I would define it is um, you know bouldering to me is a lot about like difficult movement yeah yeah and I guess once when I've gone from a situation where I'm okay and comfortable doing difficult movement to a situation where I'm no longer comfortable doing difficult movement and only comfortable doing stuff that's like within a certain boundary, like I guess at that point I've gone from bouldering to free soloing. So that means is the but it's not height at that point. You're just talking about difficulty. Uh yeah, to a certain extent. I kind of feel that. I can associate that. I think that's good. All right. So here's here's the question for you. The, no, 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 no. Sorry. What I'm talking about is the situation itself is such that I start to it the the difficulty is not what defines the bouldering, it's the situation, right? So though at some point I will reach a situation where I'm either I'm high enough or the landing is bad enough that I am no longer okay with falling or trying difficult moves that I think I might fall on. Yeah. And that is the point at which I have switched from bouldering to free soloing. And that's a situational thing, and it's not about the difficulty of the climbing. What is your... So, from just curious, what is your perspective on free soloing? Are you relatively anti-free soloing? Do you... you I just said that I do it. That's what I'm asking. Like, do you do it, like, comfortably, or do you do it and be like, no, I don't want to do it? Like, I do it, but, like, I, I once I do it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. No. I'm, I am fairly comfortable with uh, picking and choosing the situations that I do it in. Interesting. Yeah, I am completely not okay with it. Okay. I'm, I'm very, like, well, again, we're talking about two different grades of climbers, but, but me personally, I'm still not comfortable with my climbing enough to ever find a, like, a, I mean, maybe if you put me on a, like, at a, on a wall or something that, like, had an equivalent of a 5.4 and I could just walk up and maybe I'd feel okay. But very rarely do I think that I'd be very comfortable with free soloing at this point. I don't yeah, I don't know, man. So the, the, this is the last part of my, like, 20 questions-ish about bouldering. Uh-huh. Do you uh, do you happen to have any ideas about what the hardest bouldering problems are? The hardest boulder problems. The hardest recorded bouldering problems. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think that there's been a couple of like confirmed V16s in the last year. Really. Yeah. But like, can you name Did, them? Uh, no, I don't really follow climbing media that much. Again, this is also based on Wikipedia, my book. Okay. Um. So the so again. Don't mention the wheel of life. If it's on your list, it's you not. Okay, good. Well, who's the wheel of life? Don't worry about it. Is it something you did? No. <laughs> Are you kidding, dude? I'm not even close. Like I'm not the strongest climber at this gym, let alone the strongest climber in the world. We could talk about who the strongest climber at the gym is, but let's save that for another time. I don't think that's a very good conversation for anyone who doesn't climb at the gym, so... Yeah, but people who climb at the gym will be like, I want to know who that person is. I want to see who Evan's opinion of the strongest climber is, and I want to see them climb so I can, you know, watch them and measure them and figure out how to do things better. Nah. Um, the hardest bouldering problems, according to Wikipedia, 
on bouldering. Uh, they mentioned the game in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Which was climbed by Daniel Woods. Yes. 2010. Mm-hmm. And then they mentioned uh, lucid dreaming in Bishop. Yeah. You don't you don't sound happy about either of these, or you don't know what they are. Or... I know what they are. Then why are you so morose? I just I mean like. The thing is, is like. It's cool when people do hard stuff, right? It's cool that someone did it. It's cool to watch. But, like, the difference between, like, like so the, the difference between V10 and, like, V16 is really big. And the, like, it's, it's, it's a really big difference. Yes. Right? And how far do you feel from V10? I don't even consider V10 to be climbable. Right. I don't consider V6s to be climbable. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And so, like, there's, like, there's, for most of us, there's no point in even really thinking that much about these climbs. So this is where I differ from you, because I think it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, interesting, it's interesting for me to think about the sport progressing. So the fact that these things were set in 2010, there's another one that I'm going to bring up that was 2016. The fact that those were addressed and created and like the sport is like people are pushing themselves and new limits are being established, that's exciting to me. Now, again, climbing is more of a newer sport for me. And while I've been doing it forever, I haven't really been serious about it until probably the last year. And even that, like if I were really serious, I'd be actually doing more about my weight and being in better shape. Like these are all the things that I need to do in order to get good. But for me, looking at so looking at like cheerleading, for example, the people progressing that sport and just seeing new progression every year, and and most people see it and they're like, oh, I don't see a difference between this and this other thing. The thing that happened last year, the thing that happened this year, I don't see the difference. But people who know what's going on or people who understand that level, like I've never performed at that level, but I can see what's going on. I can see how like much more difficult the new thing that they're doing is, and I am ridiculously impressed. Yeah. And so that's the same thing here. Like, yeah, it's I'm not going to go climb this. I don't ever think that I'm going to get on lucid dreaming. I don't. I may go walk, see somebody on it at some point, but I don't think I'm ever going to climb it. I still like the idea that there are people out there pushing themselves. No, I like it too. So that's cool. why I'm excited about it. But you seem a little bit less involved because it's like so far away. Maybe you should just train and get there and conquer. I believe in you. Well, I mean, you're talking about people that are at the pinnacle of a sport where. You know, there's millions of people doing it all over the world. And, uh, you know, there's actually some money to be made being at the pinnacle of the sport. So there's some drive for it. Um, So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a... You're not driven to that end. It's not even that. I just, I'm not genetically gifted enough to be that kind of athlete. I think you're selling yourself short. I mean, look, look. But I mean, I think I, respect I think position. it's possible that I could train and be super dedicated and diet and maybe be like a V twelve boulder. You don't think you'd get to fourteen? No, I don't. I kind of want to coach you now. I'm a good coach. I'm not a good climber, but I'm a great coach. Yeah, but how are you going to coach me at climbing? I'm going to learn everything there's to know from books. And then I'm going to coach you using all my coaching methodologies. I'm really good at motivating. How long... I, how did I get you to do this podcast? Motivation. I talked you into it. You started to do it. Now you keep coming back. Maybe this is the last one. But so far, you keep coming back. <laughs> um, the other the other one that they listed as a, as a pretty interesting climb was uh, Burden of Dreams, uh, which is a V17 climbed in 2016 by Nali or Nal? Nali Hooktaiva. Yeah, wow. How do you know how to say these guys' names? <laughs> okay, so that, that's 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 it on my on my like bouldering knowledge research that I did in the last hour before I came here to kind of come and talk to you. Uh-huh. Um, let's just see if it's time to. It, it, hey, uh, sorry. This is a special note for for our one listener, Nick. Uh, we're right about the thirty minute mark. If you want to like pause, get off your rower, come back, you know, later in the week or next week for your next session and listen. This is this is a thirty minute mark. We normally aim for about an hour, so there's a good chance that this is about halfway. Take a break, come back. What? You laugh because we have like one dedicated listener? <laughs> it's not true actually. Linda loves our stuff too, and so does Dan. 
All right. We got to bring Dan on a podcast. Got three people. We got to bring Dan on a podcast. Listening to the podcast. Three is better than zero. Three, I, three I also is better listen. than zero. I also listen. I don't know if you listen, but I also listen. I've so listened to some episodes. I li- I I I, I got discouraged because I was gonna listen to the last episode, but then it didn't go up for like two weeks after we recorded it. I will try and be better about this one. I uh, had some issues, <laughs> but we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about other stuff, personal stuff later. The the thing that I want to talk to you about now is um, the reason why bouldering came up as a topic this week for me specifically is that uh, my climbing partner's out of town, um, and and I. So you're lonely. So I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna spend some time bouldering. Like I, I actually really like. Like I didn't used to like bouldering. I used to be relatively anti, bouldering, just because I'm like ah, I don't feel tied in. I don't feel safe. But if you work from the ground up and you kind of, get to a point where you're more comfortable with yourself on the wall and you get past being able to. I think it was also when I was climbing V zero level. Like it's like there's very little that I can climb and I'm already on the easiest route. So there are no helpful holds around me if I want to come down. Okay. Where, like, now that I'm climbing V2s or V3s, like, there are helpful holds around me, and I can climb down. Like, even if I don't, even if my particular hold isn't good. Like, even if I'm in a bad situation, I can find a way down, normally. Fair enough. Um, But, so let's, so I'm going to do a little bit more uh, bouldering. I'd like to get even better than I am currently. Um, And I know that a lot of people really love it. I, it. I don't know if you have a favorite part of climbing, but... I always used to see you bouldering a lot more than I saw you doing other stuff. I'm wondering, um, and I, I I know you don't have favorites. I remember that from last time. But what do you particularly like about bouldering? What, why is it so exciting for you? I just like pushing my body to do, you know, some of the hard, like the hardest movement that I've ever done of a certain type. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, sometimes it's like stringing some hard movements together in a row. Um, but bouldering, uh, definitely gets down into that area of like micro beta for me where it's like, Oh, like I have to pay attention to exactly which way my hips are pointed when I do this hand movement. Otherwise I won't stay on the wall. Yeah. Like I have to really focus on my momentum and focus on how I'm driving myself in the direction that I'm trying to go, whether it's, you know, being able to use the holds that I have to jump as high as possible to reach a hold or whether it's tightening my core in a very specific way to engage on holds and create some opposition that allows me to like just move a hand three inches. Yeah. Something like that. So even move your hand like on the same hold, like just reposition. Yeah. Sometimes just repositioning your hand can be really strenuous. So, I mean, I like all of that aspect of it. Um, it's just, there's just a lower barrier of entry to going bouldering than there is to any other aspect of climbing, especially in the gym. Like, you know, you don't even have to carry a pad with you. You just go in and there's boulder problems on the wall and you just put your shoes on and climb them. Like it's, it's super low barrier. Um, whereas, you know, even, even in the gym, you got to have a partner. If you're going to do some sport climbing, you want to do some lead climbing Auto blares would not be lead climbing. That's why I specified. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I, you know, the, the... Also, I'm, auto belay is cheap. <laughs> okay. There's something pulling up on you the whole time, regardless of how little it's pulling up. I don't understand why that's a bad thing. I still weigh enough to, like, pull that, like, make it lower me. I don't know. But I'm saying, like, as you're climbing upwards, you can feel the pull. Okay. I, I put down a couple of notes about what I like. Uh, uh, beyond what I just said before about bouldering, I feel like it, again it's something the barrier to entry is a huge thing for me. And then the other thing that I like about bouldering that I find a little bit, and I, I, maybe this isn't true, but I feel like bouldering is especially on consistently heighted walls. So if I'm always climbing at the same gym with the same height walls, even if the roots are different, because of the grading scale, I'm normally able to quantifiably measure how I'm climbing. I even think, if the roots are different? Even if the roots are different. So, like, if I go to the gym and I say I did five V3s today, you know that I did five V3s today. Whereas, you know, and if I, especially if I go to one gym, it's like, okay, I'm I'm pretty much not completely guaranteed, but five V3s are probably the same as five other V3s. Like, that's a quantifiable measure. I yeah, can, on average. Sure. Yeah, I can find some way to progressively measure it. Whereas I feel like, specifically with the gyms that we, like the, we climb at, the different roots have, uh, like I could say climb a 510, but if I'm climbing a 510 on, um, you know, the, the 
slab wall, it's much shorter than if I'm climbing a 510 on crow's nest, you know, or sure. 510A. So, like, it's not the same quantifiable measure for me. A five, there, are, there are longer 5.9s that provide a challenge for me, but anything on a short wall with a 5.9 does not even, like, I don't even register as a problem to solve. Like, it's a warm-up. Interesting. And so, like, that for me is, like, it's, like, as I'm, and this is part of what I'm going to talk to you about, as I'm trying to improve my skill and my ability, um, I feel like that quantifiable nature of bouldering is appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, it's still got a lot of uh, subjective action going on with the grades and stuff like that, and... You know, there's differences in terrain and bouldering as well, but I think, uh, you know, at least, you know, your experience is largely at Planet Grand and Sunnyvale, and there's not very low, very much low angle bouldering. So all of your bouldering is sort of vertical to overhanging. Yes. So I think that that's where you're coming into this, whereas there are sort of slab walls. Oh, really? Uh, at other, I mean, other gyms do have bouldering slabs. Really? Um, so you might feel differently about those climbs versus, you know, you're, you're talking about basically comparing um, a shorter, slabbier climb where you can have a lot of weight on your feet versus something where you, there's a lot of weight on your arms the whole way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, like, but what you're saying is quantifiable is the fact that those boulder problems are generally, the ones that you climb are generally all vert to slightly overhanging. Yes. So, I mean, if there was slabbier terrain for you to boulder on, that would change your perspective of this, I think. It might, but I have what I have, and I've been climbing what I've been climbing. So, I mean, also, it, this does include the gym that I climbed at in Fairfield. Like, I've, I've climbed around. Not as nearly as many as you, and it's on my list to broaden my horizons. Okay. But I'm just not there yet. I'm not as experienced. Sure. Um, so that leads me to kind of, I have a couple of, training regimes for bouldering and I wanted to hear if you had any other suggestions for training regimes. The the two that I want to mention or talk about are let's start with the first 4x4s which I thought are pretty interesting and I, I kind of was told this by um, I can't even it might have been Vitkoff or, or who, the person who I the Justin who I call Dave. Um, okay. But I think I think he told me that um, that you know I could do the 4x4s or maybe it was you know it may have been Adriel and uh, Denry in the master's climbing class. Mm-hmm. But so four by fours, you you uh, find four different routes. Normally, the first route is like uh, at a very easy level for you, and then you kind of have stuff that's like intermediate in in the middle level for you for the other three problems, and then you do you climb, you go from one problem, you go to the top, come back down, go to the next problem, top down. Third problem, top down. Fourth problem, top down. Rest for five minutes and do it again. Four times. Four by four. Is that the correct way to do it? Uh, I mean, people, you know, call it different things, four by fours. But, I mean, that's what I typically do. Okay. Do that f- four times. Do you down climb? Uh, other, I don't down climb when I do four by fours necessarily. Well, I do because I always down climb unless I fall. Okay. But uh, I just, like, down climb quickly. I just, I don't jump off. Okay, and then the other thing that they were saying is if you fall off in the middle of a four by four, if you fall off on one of your roots, you just go on to the next one. Yeah, you don't you don't get a second chance. You fall, no. you move on. No, and your goal should be to like pick your roots so that you do fall at the end of like maybe the fourth route on your second and your third and fourth la- rounds. You know. Okay. Um, so do you build them up in difficulty so they should be going in difficulty so that the third and the fourth climb are harder? No, not necessarily, but you should be tireder. <laughs> okay. Um, more tired. More tired. Yeah. I like tireder. Let's let's use that even though. It's I uh, I usually I usually go like a little wave. Like if I'm doing like V fours and V fives, I'll do like a V four, two V fives, and then another V four on the end. But you can do it however you know. You can mix it up to change the workout up. Other people will just do like four laps on one problem. And then they rest for a little bit and then do four laps on a different problem. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I haven't done that one. I've done the changing the routes. Yeah. I think that uh, the kids climbing team does like four laps on one problem then four laps on another problem a lot because it's easier than having kids running all over the place trying Absolutely. to get to different boulder problems. 
So then the other the other bouldering training thing that I vaguely remember, and I'm going to ask you for help redefining it, uh, was the points method, by you know bouldering by points. And do you, uh, what help do you need redefining that? So <laughs> it's the, literally the V grade, get rid of the V, and use it as a number, and then add it to something the other numbers. So the way that we did in the master's class was different than that. Okay. The way we did in the master's class was instead of it doing by, you know, you get this many points, it's you pick your your baseline level. So if I'm a if I am a V0 climber, which is what I am, mm-hmm. if I'm a V0 climber, I get 1 point for a V0. I get 2 points for a V1, 3 points for a, you know, for a, a V2, but it's you have your baseline you move up. Okay. So like so like if I'm climbing with you who's baseline like you're the the you can climb any of this level in the gym. So I can climb any V1 in the gym. Now uh-huh. my new baseline would be V1, right? I can climb most V2s, but any level, so zero, I get one point for, for ones, I get half a point for zeros, and you know, it's an interesting way of doing it. But it allows you to kind of compare against somebody who's a, who's a better climber. Yeah, I mean, I think that for with something like that, that's an easier way for you to sort of, when you have a group, Yes. You know, you do that, so that's an easier way to create sort of like a par for people. Okay. Right? Like, make make it so that the number of points you're assigning works for everybody. Got it. Yeah. No, and that was helpful for us because we could compare. And it, the, the great thing for me with this situation, and if you go to the mixed skill level group, the great thing about it is, is that even people who are not incredibly skilled, like myself, can still feel like we're competing in the group. Like, it keeps us engaged. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other fun bouldering training programs that you'd like to bring up? I know I should have given you time to prep for this. I should have left you with some time to, to think, but I I don't know. Like I don't really do a whole lot of training, as we've mentioned before. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, like, so with the youth team, uh, they really like doing like mock competitions um and they're also um we would do we would do points battles among teams uh but a lot of times we do points battles uh where uh you know you're you have a certain flash level right that's your kind of what you were referring to like yeah, yeah. calling yourself a v0 climber and that uh you would get one point for climbing something at your flash level uh or above and zero points for anything else. Okay. And you basically are just, you know, each climb is one point. So it's a day to try and get in a lot of volume. Interesting. Uh, and then the other, like, a lot of people like to play, like, what's called add-on, uh, where you're sort of trying to make up difficult movements and do movements that, you know, your partners can't do. And that way it kind of like builds power and strength because you're like trying to pull off moves that your, your teammates cannot. And also your, your opponents cannot. It also gives you an opportunity to kind of showcase your strength while being difficult with theirs. I've, I've done that on the system sport. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to kind of do that. Um, okay. I think, that may be it for, for kind of my bouldering section. Is there anything bouldering-wise that you wished that we would have talked about that I didn't bring up yet? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess one of the things you could talk about is the types of, like, the way bouldering is applicable to uh, regular climbing. I mean, you kind of talked of it as a, like, a way to train for rope climbing. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think that you learn a lot of technique from bouldering. Like, I kind of mentioned that you're trying to do these moves that are at your physical limit, right? Yep. And when you try to do a move that's at your physical limit, it forces you to use, like, the ideal technique, right? Like, because if you don't, if you don't use the best technique, you're not going to get that. You're not going to do it because it's at your physical limit. Right. So you start to sort of really dial in these techniques and understand how, how they're used and when they apply. And that, that dialed in nature of the technique really, like when you go back to rope climbing, you, what you find is that you 
get that same situation, the same kind of handhold setup, same kind of foothold setup. But generally it's like maybe a little bit lower angle or maybe like the holds are bigger and you didn't have to use this ideal technique before. Yeah. But now that your body kind of knows it and feels how comfortable it is, then you use it and you find that the route becomes much less strenuous for you. That, yes. And I think that's like, that's a huge aspect of bouldering and like, you know, the, the shared knowledge. So you like, you know, you're forced into using this ideal technique, but you can also talk to the person next to you and they're like, Oh, well I did it this way. And you're like, Oh, well maybe that's the ideal technique. And then you try it and you get to see. And so you, you learn from watching other people and talking to other people and doing yourself. Yeah. And then you can take those tools that you now have a better understanding of and go back to this other thing. So, so there's two things on that that I'd like to say. The first is I agree with you. Um, the other thing that I, but there is a caveat, the caveat being that what is an ideal technique for one person may not be the ideal technique for another person. Each person's body is a different type. I used to climb with people who were, you know, six plus six foot plus, I'm short, five, eight. These guys were like six, two, six, three and gangly. Like their technique, the beta that worked for them wasn't necessarily the same beta that would work for me. They could just skip a hold. I couldn't do that. Right. Well, that's why when you, you know, talk to someone next to you bouldering wise, you try to pick someone that's the same size as you. <laughs> like, I mean, like I, and, but this, you know, that, that being said, like, yeah, that's probably the best way to go about it. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to like learn no. what a super tall person is doing and maybe try that or learn what a super short person is doing and maybe try that. Like I will go and try to apply my friend's beta who is like, Six three and his total wingspan is like six seven. Are we talking about Cam? No, <laughs> he's not six three, nor does he have a six seven wingspan. He has a giant wingspan though for his height. Maybe, uh, but regardless, uh, or and I've also like been climbing with people that were like five foot nothing, and I would try their beta, and that sometimes worked for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I'm not saying ignore other people's beta just because they're not the same size as you. I'm just saying. Be prepared to adjust based upon what you need. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's and you know that's the whole thing. Like you, you talk and you see what other people do, and then you try it. Yeah. You know, like. Um, so the the other this was a question I just I remembered that I had. What is the difference between the V scale and the fucking bleu scale? Um, the numbers are different. How so I don't know anything. Meaning of, the same thing. I don't know what the fucking bleu scale is. I know what the V scale is. Uh, I mean, the, the French grading scale, they had like, I mean, they're just different numbers for the same thing. Essentially. It's like the, you know, the root, the root grades in, uh, root grades. There's like the French grading scale for climbing roots. Okay. And there's a, you know, the Yosemite decimal system as well. Okay. I mean, it's like. There's like some rough translations so between the two, but you're telling me five ten is the Yosemite decimal. Yes. Okay. And then, so the French scale, like, how do I know if I'm looking at a French scale? How do they start? Uh, there's no decimal. Okay. And it just starts with like three or four. Yep. Uh, and then it's uh you know they they don't really start getting super divisiony until it gets up to like six once okay. they're at six they have like six six a they have six a six a plus six b six b plus six c six b c plus and yeah. then it goes to the next number seven Is a seven a plus are they similarly in terms of like difficulty between the different let the pluses and the grades like that we are here? It's fairly similar. I mean, I think that there's, like, more overlap in the lower end of the scale. Okay. Like, some of the French grades might cover, you know, a couple letter grades in the Yosemite Decimal System. But as you get up towards the higher end, it's all kind of, like, you know, a letter or a plus is equal to a letter. So it's, like, 8A is 13B. Oh, really? 8A plus is 13C. 8B is 13D. Well, the AB plus is 14A. The ABC thing is somewhat um, arbitrary based on Jim because some places will just do a 10, 10 minus, and a 10 plus, you know? Yeah. 
But, okay. Uh, the last little bit of stuff that I had on, on bouldering stuff that I thought was interesting mm-hmm. was, uh, first, did you know that there's a bouldering Reddit page? Uh, I think there's a rock climbing Reddit page as well. Yes. But yes, I'm aware. So anyways, I just want to throw that out there for any of our listeners who want to find out more about bouldering. There's a bouldering Reddit page that's interesting. And I did a little bit of perusing. I thought some of the questions were fun. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out as another future reference for people was uh, REI has an intro to bouldering webpage. Uh, but be careful. They do have some typos. I did see about spelled aboot. Aboot. Um, and it was published like in August, so they haven't updated it in that long. Okay. Uh, so, but... Bouldering section finished. Couple of questions for you personally. Saving this to the end now. Okay. The good stuff comes later. Yeah, this is great stuff. I want to talk about where we are. We're we're at uh, Planet Granite Belmont. We are. That may be some different noises than before, like some new noises. But it's cool. Uh-huh. Um, um, and un- you are the manager here. I am. And there's this awesome board with a bunch of information about all the people who work here. And I read your, your bio, and I have some questions. It's the same staff bio that was at Sunnyvale. I didn't read it then. It was on the website. I've read it now. Okay. Uh, my first question is, do your staffers, I mean, that's the term I'm going to use, tell me if there's a better term, or reports, whatever, know about our podcast? Uh, I don't know. Have you told anybody? No. <laughs> Great, that's good. that's good for us. Um... <laughs> I really think that you got to stop focusing on growing the podcast and the immediate the people that are immediately around us. The people at the front desk talk to people. If they listen, they'll pass it on. All right. Um, so so I, th- I loved your bio. I thought it was really great. It says, uh, you know, how have... Uh, let me try and say this. <laughs> how have you been analytical in your climbing improvement? How have I been analytical? And your, it says your analytical brain helps you with your climbing improvement. I literally just talked about micro beta and focusing on very <laughs> tiny movements of the hips and tensioning of the core. Like, I guess that's, that's all part of that, man. I, like, I feel like, do you take notes on this stuff and then go back and look at it later? No. So you just analyze in the moment? Yes. Okay. It says you teach climbing fundamentals class. I could, yes. Yes, and um, my, my real question here, this is important for me. Can, can I sign up for your next session? No. Why not? Because I have employees that teach that. Managers do not teach climbing fundamentals classes. What would it unless, take? Unless, it is, unless we are desperate for instructors. So I'd have to get everybody who teaches it fired. Uh, you could try, yes. I don't think I'll be able to achieve that. What if there was like an outpouring of requests from like members for what uh for you to teach a climb for for me to teach a climb you specifically i don't think that that could happen because watch me make it happen don't challenge this because climbing fundamentals is is for beginners i can make it happen and uh you know what we're talking about is an outpouring. I mean, you just like you wouldn't have an outpouring of member request for someone specific to teach a fundamentals class because the people who would be requesting that wouldn't know who wouldn't, they're requesting or wouldn't necessarily be members. Yeah, in general, like if you're interested in our climbing fundamentals class, you're probably not a member. So you might be, but you're probably not, and you're probably also not. Let me just not Im- like familiar with me. Let me and, just Im- and wanting me specifically to teach. Let me just employ our listeners who are thinking about getting into climbing for the first Did time. Did you want to employ them or implore them? Implore them. Okay, just just being clear. I am imploring our listeners who are getting into climbing for the first time. You're not listen- offering them a job, just just to be clear. No, no, no job. You're, you you won't re- even you're you're pleading with them rather than offering I am, them. A I am employment. I am begging them over our podcast. For them, when they come in and sign up to Planet Granite Belmont, to request that Evan Pierce teach their climbing fundamentals class, request it. Come on, people, let's let's show Evan that we have an audience and that we care about him. And then when that happens, you need to let me sign up. Um, this is another thought thing that I thought was very interesting. Can you give me an example of how you've used your greatest strength? 
Can I give you an example of it? First of all, do you remember what your you said your greatest strength was? I believe it was a high tolerance for suffering. Yes, ability to endure suffering. Yeah. Can you give me an example of how you used it? Uh, in terms of climbing? Sure, Generally, yes. Generally, that's associated with, like, mountaineering stuff. So... So another session other than bouldering. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not... Yeah, not bouldering. <laughs> I, well, hey, I, you know, bouldering, you know, there's, there's a very different scale of suffering in bouldering. Okay. But yeah, I've had, you know, some really painful skin and climbed anyways. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull on some really tiny painful holds. Okay. That's pretty much how bouldering suffering works, man. Like, you, you don't really suffer that much in bouldering. <laughs> it's kind of, that's kind of the point. That's why there's so many people out there doing it, because they don't have to hike. <laughs> and it's just there. And, you know, it's like, you know, I drive my car, I park it, I walk a little bit. When I get cold, I go back to the car. Sometimes I drive back to town for lunch, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um... That's that. That's was that was my part on your bio. Uh, the questions that I have now are: Have you been climbing recently? It's been a little while since we've recorded outside. Let's start with at all. I've been climbing. Yeah. You training? Training? Yeah, to, to do the V twelves. No. Okay. I'm I'm climbing to enjoy my life. Okay. Um. So you've been climbing. Yes. Is it, is it mostly here in the gym? Yes. Have you been to a jailhouse? No. Are you planning on going? Yes. I would love to hear how... What was the name of the climb again? Pardon? Yeah, how Pardon looks now. I would love to... I'd love to hear about that. In fact, I'd love to go there and watch. I mean, you're more than welcome I'll, to go and watch. I'll drive. It's not really that interesting. I think it'd be pretty fun. How long's the hike? Uh, like 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm in. 15, 20 minutes. I'm working on my hike endurance, but I gotta I gotta do more hiking this year. Yeah. Um, next question I've I've got. Next question I've got is, uh, have you met your your new replacement at? Uh, do you know your replacement at? Uh, Sunnyvale. I know who it is. I've never I I have not met him in person. Although he walked by me in Sunnyvale the other day, and I said hi. I don't think he knew who I was. So he doesn't. You, you were in Sunnyvale the other day, and you didn't tell me. I'm a little hurt by this. Why? Because you're there all the time? I would like to hang out. I mean, if I was there at 6 in the morning, I probably would have said something. Oh, what time of day were you there? <laughs> it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So I was there on, on his... Friday. I was there on his first day, and uh, as we're in our section, granted the website still hasn't done the change that it needs to do. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it. But we're going to do a section on our website when I update it of all the notes that I leave for the, for the you know, comments... And so that you basically just said, I'm going to do a section on the website that no one will be interested but me. Eh, maybe. Some people find these funny. Uh, so there's the How Are We Doing cards, which, by the way, they were out of this morning. I complained. Told Nick I was irate. Um, but I left, I left this on the day that the new manager started. It says, How Are We Doing? And I circled other. And I said, It would be really nice if you could heat the snacks a bit. So on a nice cold morning, the hazelnut butter was soft and perfect. Uh huh. Yeah, nobody finds this funny except for me, right? Yep. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so, anyways, I, I have not met this person, but Nick is convinced that we will wear him down, and he will he will be cool. <laughs> oh, so he's not cool now. He needs no. wearing down in order he's, to become no, cool. No, no, I, he's, he's. That is. I, I don't sorry, know if that's a fair thing to say about let's him. Back, let's back that up. The cool is not cool as a person. Cool. Cool with me. Oh, cool with you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool that's going to take a lot of wearing. <laughs> cool with me. Not necessarily cool. Like I have no idea about his coolness status. You're going to need some flash flood level erosion. Yeah. Uh, well, we're working <laughs> on it. We're 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 getting into it. We'll see how it goes. I started with a note. Uh, Nick left it for him. He got it. But then they were out of comic cards. And then I asked Nick if they intentionally removed the comic cards when I entered the gym. And he said, yes. That seems correct. But they, they do that now. But I will bring my own comic cards. Don't worry. I can do this. Um, you should just use email and stop wasting paper. Uh, but it's, it's personal that way. It's, I care about you. But not the environment. They could, you, you guys could, I'll make my common cards out of recycled paper. 
Yeah, but compostable no recycled paper would be better than recycled paper. So we could talk about the the electricity and the cost of transferring it, and the servers and the domains, like all the stuff that needs to be up in order for you to send an email. And the we could, except that that stuff will still be doing that regardless of whether you send this email. I'm saying maybe paper is more economical in certain cases, or more environmentally friendly. Probably not, but it might be. Um, I have another question for you. Have you been to Jersey Joe's yet? No. Why not? You're like right down the street. I, what is Jersey Joe's? It's like the best cheesesteak. I thought you told me to go some other place. Jersey Joe's, man. You didn't tell me to go to Jersey Joe's. I did. We can listen to the old, Do you want to bet on this like we did on the other one where I won? I feel like you told me to go to the place that's down there. It's, it's right like down the street. burger place. N- not Jack's. No, I told you to go to Jersey Joe's. Right. Jack's has pretty decent sweet potato fries, but... Jersey Joe's is a place to go. Okay. In fact, I may try and convince you to go right now, but uh, you're probably busy, and I will probably go by myself. Um, I feel like that's another great episode. You got anything else to add? I got nothing, man. It was great. I'm, I enjoyed this conversation. I felt like we talked about something a little bit better. I'll do a little bit more homework in the future, because I think that that helped. Um, <laughs> it always does. <laughs> when you do the homework before yeah. you show up to the... Yeah. How much, how much homework do you do before your other podcast? I do like a couple hours usually. I like write an outline and, and look over what's happened recently and what I want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. I will start investing. I'll start booking several hours for planning. For I mean, you. probably not an hour. I probably put at least an hour into it. Okay. I'll start booking some time. Um, I mean, you know, the, when you spend, when you spend, like, you got to try and make sure the multiple is low, right? Like, I spent. 15 minutes prepping for this podcast that was an hour long, right? So that's a multiple of four. <laughs> I'm okay you with gotta it. try to keep the multiple under three. <laughs> I'm fine with the multiple for you being relatively low. I'm also fine with me investing more time. Like, I think if I do a little bit more homework and I come into the thing with some of this interesting stuff and quiz you about it, like, it, it made for a better conversation. That's my personal take on it. But we can talk about it later. I think so as well, because, you know, you know if you want to have a conversation about a lot of this stuff, like, sometimes... You know, you don't want to have me just sitting there talking to you. Yeah. And the other thing is, is if I arm myself with information, I can come in with somebody else's perspective and get your perspective on it. But at least I come in with that perspective, even if you have no knowledge there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you want to do our outro? Oh, shit. What is it again? How much do you weigh these days? I am, I am ridiculously heavy. I was 231 pounds the other day. 231? Yeah, I've gone up. I'm, I'm, I'm working on going back down. I was 236, but I'm not 231. The South Beta Podcast, 416 pounds of rock climbing power. I am impressed with your ability to do math that fast. 